And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child, and Uriah's wife bare unto David, and, it, and he was very sick. And David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in, and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. And they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, he spake unto him. We spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped, and then he came to his own house, and when he, we, when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me? that the child may live. But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Thank you. Be seated. Our Father, we come this evening. We thank you for the uh, Lord, the blessings of the day. And uh, Lord, we ask you to uh, be with those and bless those that we've been around today that, uh, that need a blessing. And uh, fathers, we come tonight, thank you for these that have gathered tonight into the midweek service, and uh, Lord, thank you for this scripture, uh, Lord, that you've impressed upon me to look at tonight, and I pray the Lord would be my helper tonight as I try to bring a message out of this scripture tonight. Lord, forgive me of my sins and my failures, my shortcomings, I ask you to touch me afresh, I ask you, Lord, to... Uh, Lord, let your word have free course tonight. And uh, Lord, the devil, he always wants to steal the seed or make the sermon confusion. And I pray the Lord give us clarity today and the word of God would have free course. And uh, we pray for those that's on the grounds tonight that are not saved. And uh, we pray for their salvation. And we ask it all tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Used to, uh, long before uh, the invention of the automatic washer and the automatic clothes dryer, uh, they had a certain day that would be wash day, and uh, if you remember that. And uh, wash day was usually on a Monday. And the reason wash day was on a Monday was because that uh, they would work six days a week out in the fields and the crops 
And really the only day they had off was Sunday. And on Sunday they would cook the biggest meal of the whole week. Uh, but all the other time they would need the, uh, the stove, the wood stove, they would need that uh, to cook meals on for those that were working during the week. But on Sunday after they'd cooked that great big meal, uh, they would have enough that would be left over on Monday. And so on Monday they could eat the cold leftovers and they could use the wood stove to heat the water that they needed to wash all the clothes. And uh, so that's why that uh, Monday was always wash day. And uh, I don't know if you notice this, know this or not, but there is a, a national holiday, I'm sure not many people observe it, but there is a holiday called Laundry Day. And uh, I didn't know it till I stumbled across it studying for this message. But somebody wrote, they that wash on Monday have all week to dry. They wash on Tuesday are not much awry. They that wash on Wednesday are not so much to blame. But they that wash on Thursday have to wash for shame. They that wash on Friday, they wash for want and need. But they that wash on Saturday, their wash is dirty indeed. And uh, we notice in verse 20 that David had a wash day. And, uh, and I want to preach tonight upon this thought, wishing, washing, and worshiping. It's all there uh, in the text. Wishing, washing, and worshiping. You see, nowadays with the invention of the uh, automatic wash machine, I remember when we married, we didn't, uh, we didn't have a wash machine. And I, I bought my wife one from Sears and Roebuck catalog because we'd make payments on it. And uh, a full load was one pair of blue jeans. And uh, you hooked it up to the sink. It, it, it had a rubber hose. You just pushed it over the sink. And, uh, and my wife thought she had died and went to heaven when I got that. Uh, but uh, nowadays, uh, with the automatic washer and automatic dryer, a lot of people wash a little bit every day. And uh, physically, physically, when we talk about washing, we need, of course, to wash a little bit every day. I'm not talking about clothes. I'm talking about person. Uh, but spiritually... Also, and even more importantly, spiritually, we need to wash every day. And uh, when we read this story about David that most people are pretty familiar with, it starts back in chapter 11 and verses 1 through 4. And uh, the Bible said, And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Amnon and besieged Rahab, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. It came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David sent and inquired after the woman, and the woman said, is not, this, is not this Beersheba the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uri the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her and came unto him. 
and he lay with her, the Bible said. Now, when we first start reading this, uh, we notice that David, David was not actually spiritually unclean when he came and he walked out upon the palace and he looked, he just looked. The Bible said in James, the Bible said, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, because God did not be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Now, we notice here that David just walked out and looked. No, no sin there yet. David hadn't conceived it. David hadn't, uh, hadn't done an act yet. David hadn't uh, contemplated anything yet. But somewhere along that day, David not only began to look, but he began to contemplate, and he began to try to figure out how that he could make this happen. And so the Bible said that uh, he sent and he inquired after the woman. There's where David sinned right there. When David sent and inquired after the woman, that's when the lust was conceived. Now, I said all that to say this, uh, that David uh, had an initial act where spiritually he was unclean, spiritually he was defiled. Now, wouldn't this story have a different end ending if David had a stopped right there uh, and uh, had a spiritual bath right there? That David had got down and said, Lord, I, I've lusted after this woman. I have went too far and God, I want you to forgive me. How different uh, that the story would end. But David didn't do that. David waits, uh, David waits at least nine months uh, before David asks God to forgive him. Now, now, one thing we notice by David waiting, that David got dirtier and dirtier. You say, why? Well, the Bible said that David said in verse 8, he sent to Uriah and he told him to go down to his house and to wash. In other words, he's trying to deceive Uriah. And so he's committing more sin. And we all know how the story is that Uriah was a more honorable man than David was. And when he sent Uriah down to his house, Uriah wouldn't go in. He just slept out on the doorstep because he was a more honorable man than even David was. And so David began to do another plan. And David sent for Joab and, and he wrote a letter and he had Joab to come and get it. And he told Joab, he said, uh, I want you to put Uriah in the forefront of the battle. Now here we got a man that all he did to start with was take a little glance, a little look. Uh, uh, but then he began uh, to let that lust be begin to be conceived. Uh, and then he actually sent for her. And then we know what happened. And then after that, uh, the lady got with child. And when that happened, he sent for Uriah, the Hittite. And he tried to cover it up. He wanted him to think that the baby was his. Notice how he's getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier all the time. And then he puts a letter in Joab's hand 
to conspire to commit murder. And all of that started from just a little look. Now notice how that David waited and waited and waited. And let me say number one, that's why you and I, whenever God convicts us of sin or every day of our life, just like I hope you take a bath every day of your life, uh, but if you don't, I hope spiritually you ask God to forgive you every day of your life. You say, why? Because if you don't, it builds up, and it builds up, and it builds up. And David waited. A lot of people, I think, a lot of, a lot of people in the church, the only wash day they have is Sunday. And uh, they come to church on Sunday, and uh, they come to the altar on Sunday, that means if they're waiting till Sunday to ask God for, to forgive them, that means they've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, they've got all that on them as well. Now, one thing you'll notice when we get there to it is that David, David, he, he asked God, David cleaned himself up, David washed himself before he worshiped. You know what we do? We want to worship and then we want to wash ourselves. Amen. We come to church, we sing, a preacher preaches, have an altar call, and people come down to the altar and say, Lord, clean me up, Lord, forgive me. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, but in the Bible, the way it is, is that first of all, you wash and then you worship. Uh, that's, a, that's a key principle right here in this chapter. That you don't, you don't worship and then wash. You wash first and then you worship. Because God will not accept the worship uh, until you wash. We look here in the Bible and even God waited. Isn't God a gracious God? Isn't God long-suffering? Uh, isn't God slow to anger? Uh, I mean, God had every right to... Just, just kill David right there. God had every right to do it. But God waited at least nine months because a baby's born. God waited at least nine months to send the preacher uh, to bring the message to David uh, and to tell David uh, that he's sinned. Amen. God is, is long-suffering, and I'm so glad He is. And you ought to be glad He is. And there's, there's some things about God I love, and one of them is that God's long-suffering. The other one is that God's slow to anger. Uh, God doesn't fly off the handle. Uh, but I do want to say this, I do want to say this tonight, uh, uh, that you don't want to trifle with God. You don't want to mess around with God. You don't want to play around with God. Because sometimes uh, God... Like in the instance when they were bringing the ark up from the Philistines and they were all following, they were all shouting, they were all happy that they were bringing the ark back. And they hit a little rough spot in the road and that ark just moved a little bit. And Uzzah, all he did was do what most people would have done. He put his hand out to try to stay the ark. But the Bible said at that instant that God... Uh, that God uh, cut a, took a breach in him. That means that God literally cut him in half. I, I mean, there's a lot of places in the Bible where that, where that God, it looks like, should have got mad. God should have done something, and He didn't. Uh, 
But there's other places in the Bible when God just moved without any warning hardly. God just moved in an instant. You say, why does God do that? I think God does that because He wants me and you to fear the Lord. Amen. I do not trifle around with God, not play around with God. And so we see that here that David, he waited way too long. Anytime we wait about repenting and asking God to forgive us of our sins and confronting our, our bringing our sins before God, anytime we wait any length of time, it's too long. Amen. You say, why? Because we, we don't know how that's going to end up. Again, I, I remind you, if David had a stop when he walked out on that palace, and if David had said, wait a minute, that's Uriah, uh, the Hittite's wife that I'm lusting after, that's another man's wife. I, I'll be committing adultery if I have that woman to come up here. And if David had fell down right then, the story would have been a lot different. It's like the prodigal son. If after he asked his father for all his, uh, his part of the inheritance, uh, and he started down into the far country. If he only got just a little piece down there and had stopped and said, God forgive me, I've done wrong here, and turned around, the story would have been different. I know it's just a parable. Now, I remember a, I remember a fellow, a preacher, and uh, one night in the prayer room, someone told the story, and they said that that preacher had had left his wife and he had went off with another woman. And I didn't really know him that good at the time, but the next morning I started in the post office and had my head down going in and I run smack dab into that preacher. And he stopped and seen me and, uh, and I, said, uh, I said, hey, I said, uh, someone mentioned your name in the prayer room last night. And I said, I know you've made a, a, a wrong thing. I said, I know you've done something wrong, at least what they were saying. And he kind of dropped his head. I said, look, I said, you just, you've just took a few steps down uh, uh, that road that leads to the far country. I said, God still loves you. I said, I love you, brother. I said, I'm praying for you. And I said, brother, you'll just stop right now and turn around and ask God to take care of it and ask God to fix it up. Uh, and lo and behold, that's what He did. Amen. And you know what God did? God worked it all out. God worked it all out. You say, what are you saying? I'm just giving an illustration of don't keep going on and on and on in sin. If you got sin in your life and God convicts you about it, bring it to the altar and deal with it right then before it may turn into something else. I see what I see God waiting. I see David waiting. And then we all know, we all know that the Bible said in verse 12, well, verse 27, I do want to get this in. The Bible said, Your eye died, and David said, Oh well, you know, one gets killed in the battle here, one gets killed in the battle there, and he sent for the wife of Uriah in verse 26. And the Bible said that the, after the morning was over, David sent and fetched her his house, and she became his wife. Okay, everything's all right now, right? Uh, David never has. David's still dirty. He's more dirty than he's ever been. Uh, uh, but David thinks nobody knows about this uh, uh, except him. But you know what? Uh, there's hardly any time that it's only us that knows about our sin. 
I look here in the store tonight and I can see right off the bat that Bathsheba knew about it. She's a part of it, amen. And not only did Bathsheba know about it, but I'd say Joab probably figured it out. Joab knowed about it, probably. And then, and then before it was over with, all of Israel knew about what David had done. And so the Bible says that there was a waiting period. But then the Bible said that God uh, sent a warning here. God said, the Bible said God was displeased with this. But it's nine months before God actually confronts or does anything. But I tell you what I don't believe. I don't believe that he went without warning for nine months. I think every time he seen Bathsheba, there was a red light went off. I think that every time each month as she began to get bigger and bigger, I think a red light was going off. And God was saying, you need to turn around. Uh, you, need to, you need to get right. Well, you know what happens to the physical body uh, when you go on and on and on without bathing? You begin to stink. And you know what you can't do? You can't, you can't roll enough deodorant on over it. You can't spray enough perfume on it to keep it from smelling. And I want you to know that David was David had a, was a stench in the nostrils of God, and David was beginning to stink to all those around him because they knew what he had done. They they knew that he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. They knew what he had done. You see, David thought nobody knew about it, but just about everybody knew about it. Uh, you know. You know, you can go without physically bathing. And you may not know about it, but everybody around you know. Amen. It's like Brother Bill Gaines used to haul them Amish people, Mennonites, and he was a dear friend of mine. He's in heaven tonight, but we met through Brother Gary Crumpton and, and used to, he'd haul them uh, Amish and Mennonites and he'd haul them to a wedding or he'd haul them to a family reunion and he'd have, to, he'd have to stay with them, or they'd rent him a motel room, and he'd stay in the motel room. But after me and him met, uh, I said, whenever you're down here, just stay at our house. And so uh, he would stay there at the house, and we, we were uh, good friends. And, and, uh, and he, was, uh, I, he was a boy, he was somebody that could get people to come to church. And uh, he was there one weekend, and we went out uh, visiting, door knocking, and... Uh, and the very next day, one of the guys he talked to came to church and got saved. And uh, he just had a way with people. He could talk to people. He could get people to come to church. But Brother Gaines told me that one day he was hauling a whole load of them ladies somewhere. And he said it got bad in there. And he said he rolled the window down and it still didn't help. And, and said finally, he said, uh, he said, somebody forgot to put their deodorant on this morning. And he said, one of the older ladies sitting on the front seat said, well, it wasn't me. I don't use the stuff. <laughs> well, I, I want you to know, listen, I want you to know that Brother Bill knew that she didn't use the stuff even before she told him. Amen. And I tell you, it's that way spiritually just as well. Everyone knew that David was dirty and, 
And no matter what David did to try to cover it up, it just didn't work. Have you ever done something of sin against God or somebody and you tried every way in the world to cover it up? You, you were nice to them. You did uh, good things for them. Maybe you sent them a card. Maybe you called them. You did everything to try to cover it up, but it still stunk. Until you come to the altar and you said, God, I need you to wash me. I need you to clean me up. Well, that's kind of where David was. Amen. And so we see that God, no doubt, give David a warning. But in chapter 12, God gave him a specific warning that he could not mess. You know, there's warnings that God gives, but then God gives a warning that you cannot mess. I've heard people over the years since I've been preaching, and they said, God told me this was the last time. God told me either I get right or else. Well, that's kind of what God did here. In chapter 12 and verse 1, The Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. And he did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. Isn't, isn't, it, isn't it something how that we can get angry over someone else's sin? but we cannot even see our own sin that we have done or we are doing the same thing they did. That's exactly where David was. David was angry and said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan, being the prophet and the preacher he was, Nathan said to David, the king, I mean, it took some courage to say this to the king. The king could have had his head off. The king could have sent him to the prison. It took some courage. Sometimes uh, uh, you need some courage uh, uh, to face things and to say what God wants you to say uh, sometimes. Uh, I've noticed, uh, Brother Caleb, some of the roughest messages that I ever preach uh, that God never gives them to me till I get in the pulpit. You say, why? Because if I thought about it all week long, I'd probably chicken out. Uh, uh, but God gives it to you right when you're in the heat of the anointing, and God gives it to you, and uh, you just say it, what God wants you to say. You don't have time to think about it. You might worry about it afterwards, uh, uh, but you won't think about it while you're saying it. Well, that's kind of what Nathan was. Nathan said to David, Thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And uh, the Bible said, God said, You're going to restore this lamb fourfold. 
And when you follow David's life, you'll find out there were four tragedies that happened in the life of David. He paid for that thing fourfold. Did you know that God can forgive you of any sin, but there's some sins that even though God has forgiven you of them, you still have to bear the consequence. Uh, you see, David, David thought he was all right. David didn't even think he was that bad of shape. David didn't even think seemingly that he was that dirty. But you know what God does? Uh, God finds dirt that you and I don't even know is there. Amen. Sheila will remember this when me and her were little. We lived down and Mama would get a big old number three washing tub. Anybody else had that experience? Mama would get a big old number three washing tub. She'd fill it full of water, set it out in the sun about a half a day, and the hot sun would heat that water up. And then we would uh, have to take turns getting in there and taking a bath and washing. And, and uh, they were, I don't know what, four or five of us at that time. So you can imagine if you got in last, you're just getting in a mud hole more or less. But I, I, I can remember getting in there and, and staying and playing, you know, and Mama saying, you done? You ready to get out? Yeah, Mama, I'm ready to get out. And she might turn your arm up and say, your elbows are rusty. Or she might look behind your ear and say, you got dirt behind your ear. And Mama would find dirt in places I didn't even know I had. You know what God does? We come to church and we think we're squeaky clean. We think everything's all right. But in reality, if we do like a psalmist does and said, Oh God, search me and show me if there be any wicked way in me. God will point out things that you and I hadn't even thought about because all we think about is the big things, you know. Uh, adultery, fornication, drinking. That's all we think about. But this Bible lists a whole lot of things uh, that the Bible said is sin that we do every day. Amen. If we were honest folks, if we were honest folks and we listened closely and was tuned in to the Holy Spirit of God, I doubt if there's any one of us that could go to a service where there was real Bible anointed preaching and not feel the need to go to the altar and to ask God to forgive us. Maybe I'm wrong on that, I don't know. But you know things have come a long way in the cleaning business. We went from a number three washing tub to a shower, jacuzzis, nice tubs. I mean, really and truly, folks, there's not much reason for any of us to smell. There's not much reason for any of us not to be clean in our kind of a day. And we got all kinds of cleaning, cleansing agents, you know. We got Dial soap, we got Dove soap, and if you ain't got no soap, you can use Dawn detergent, amen. Uh, you can use that. And you know that we got different kinds of soap for different kinds of dirt. I think some Baptists, they think they do like the women do in the laundry room, they think they can just shout it out. They'll, they'll go down to the house of God and just shout it out. But you know what? The dirt's still there. Grover Dean, as a young preacher many years ago, up in the old building, he said this, and it was under anointing. I never forgot it. You know, when you hear a man of God, you may not remember everything he says, but every now and then God will give him something just dripping with the anointing of God, and you'll never forget it.
And Brother Grover was preaching and, and Brother Grover said, if there's anything makes me sick, he said, it's to see some church member that you know is living like hell. Everybody in the community knows it. Everybody knows it. And then they stand up right in the middle of the service and try to act like they got angels' wings on and halos on. And everybody knows how they're living. Everybody knows what they're doing. He said, there ain't nothing no more sickening in all the world than to see a Christian stand up all spiritually dirty and try to act like he's clean. I said, Amen. Amen. Lots changed in the physical sense as to how we can bathe our physical body and how we can cleanse our body. But not one thing has changed in the spiritual sense. You say, what do you mean? There's still only one thing that will cleanse you spiritually. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, there ain't 57 different ways to get spiritual cleaning. It comes through the blood of Christ. And you'll notice what David did. The Bible said after that Nathan confronted him, Nathan said, Thou art the man. And the Bible said that God said to uh, David, He said to he said, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. Did you notice that? God said, You killed him. He didn't say they killed him, he said, You killed him. And then he said, Thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Notice how God uh, holds him to the, uh, to the sin. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thy own house. And you know how that happened with Absalom and all the children. And I will take thy wife before thy eyes. By the way, David was a wonderful king. David was a tremendous captain. But David was a pitiful father. All of his kids turned out bad. Real bad. And he said, Give them unto thy neighbor... And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. There's finally David is getting ready to come clean. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Someone said, was he sorry? Uh, that he sinned or was he sorry that he got caught? I think he was sorry he sinned and I'll say more about that in a minute. The difference between David and Saul was that Saul sinned and David sinned worse than Saul but Saul learned how to repent. Saul knew, I mean, uh, David learned how to repent. David knew something about God. That's why the Lord kept forgiving him. It'd do you and me well to learn some things about repentance. Because I know we're going to sin. And it'd do us good to learn about how God looks at it. Verse 16, David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in. And he lay all night upon the earth. Now I want you to notice what David did. He's still not washed. David laid all night before God. And the Bible said he besought God. But do you understand 
that you can't, you can't beseech God until you've been washed by God. He lay there all night, but there's no, no change. The baby didn't live. God had no different view on him. You say, why? God's not much interested in, in what you and I do until we repent of our sin and have God to wash us from our sins. Notice this. The Bible said he lay there all night. Then the Bible said he fasted. He didn't eat. No food came by. And then the Bible it insinuates, and I'm sure he did because of the child and because of his prayer and because he knew what was going on. I'm sure that David wept off and on all night. But look at this. Not, not laying and beseeching God all night. Not fasting for ever how many days that he fasted. Not weeping ever how many tears he weeped. Weep. None of that. None of that had any effect upon God. You say, why? Because he's not washed yet. He's laying there and he's fasting. But now look at, look at this. It's all in verse 20. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel. First of all, the Bible said David arose from the earth and he washed himself. Now that means physically David got up and he went somewhere and he was a mess. He hadn't shaved. He hadn't combed his hair. He hadn't eaten anything. He hadn't slept. I'm sure David looked like a bum out on the road. But David, first of all, he cleaned himself up before he presented himself to God. That's what you and I need to do. That's why when you went into the Holy of Holies, you came by the, the uh, brazen altar, but then you come by where you had to wash. And you had to go through all of that before you ever got back there to where God was. You didn't come in the tabernacle and automatically start worshiping God. Oh no, you had some things you had to do before you got back there to where God was. David, he, he knows all these things. And so David... Uh, the Bible said that David arose from the earth and he washed and anointed himself. Did you know it's important how that you and I present ourselves to God? I know some people don't think it is, but it is. And Brother Ziegler, years ago, Brother Ziegler would preach and he'd talking about that God would wake him up in the night. That he would wake up in the night and he knew that as Tom Malone said, sleepless nights are God's call to prayer. If you can't sleep, God may be wanting you to pray about something. And so Brother Ziegler said he'd get up and he'd go to his prayer place and he would pray, but he said, I would never do that until I got fully dressed. Someone said, why would you do that? He said, if I was going before the judge downtown, you think I'd go down there with my hands on? He said, I'm going before the judge of all the earth. And he said, I'm going to look the best I can look when I go down there before God. And that's one of the Old Testament types of how that you and I, when we go down to the house of God, I mean, wear the best you've got. If that's, if that's a t-shirt 
and blue jeans, if that's the best you got, then that's, that's good. That's fine. Amen. That's the best you got. Uh, uh, but you and I don't need to be going down to the house of God in our old rags. Amen. Uh, we don't need to come to church looking like we're going to the beach. Uh, uh, we don't need to go down to the house of God uh, looking like we just come from a bar somewhere. Uh, the Bible says that you and I are to, are, to, are to look appropriate when we come to the house of God. I know that ain't popular preaching, but hey, I'm not running for anything anyway. Amen. Amen. It's just what the Bible said. I'll just say it the way the Bible says it. The Bible says we should have modest apparel. You say, what's that mean? You look it up. Figure it out. It won't be hard. Amen. I ain't just on the women. You know, the men come in with their shirt button up down to here. They got two or three little hairs on their chest. They try to look like there's Charles Atlas, who most of y'all don't even know, but when I was a little boy, every magazine you'd buy, it have Charles Atlas on the back. And he was a he was a mighty man, amen. But we need to we need to cover that up when we come down to the house of God. Amen. Not much has changed when it comes to washing in the physical sense. I don't wear shorts. If if you do, uh, that's fine. I'm not I'm not kicking you. I'm not saying anything about it. But I just don't do it. And my kids, grandkids, they have a little song that say, "Papa's legs are white as they can be because they ain't seen the sun since 1953." Memphis is my church. Hey, I just I just think too much of you to have you to have to look at this. Hey man, I, I turn the lights off for them, I pull my paints off so I don't have to look at it. I'm just saying we come before God that we need to come in the best we can present ourselves before the Lord. Amen. And so David, he's trying to get ready to worship. And uh, David, uh, the Bible says that David uh, rose from the earth. He washed and anointed himself. He changed his apparel and he came to the house of the Lord. You say, what's he doing? He's getting ready to present himself down at the house of the Lord. You say, well, I present myself pretty good every Sunday. All right, maybe outside you're dressed like you. Uh, somebody at least would look at you and know you as a Christian. But what about inside? If you come down, you see the Bible said, Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. Amen. And if God looks inside and you're you're all you got anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and uh, and wrong uh, words and cuss words and angry words and hateful words and bitterness and that's all been inside you all week. I don't care if you got a $500 suit on. God still sees it as dirty. Still sees it as dirty. David arose from the earth and he washed and on himself, changed his apparel, and he came into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. The main point of the message tonight is wash before you try to worship. Wash before you try to worship. God wouldn't have even paid any mind to David 
until he prepared and got to that place. Now they say, they say, and most people believe, that the prayer that David prayed in verse 20 is found in Psalms 51, and I believe it. In Psalms 51, David is there before God. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. You see, it was always there. Every moment after David committed that sin and kept on committing sin, it was never not in front of David. He said, it was ever before me. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil. He confesses it was evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He said, Thou denies truth in the inward parts. You know what that's saying? God's as concerned about you being clean on the inside as He is on the outside. And He said, Purge me with the hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which Thou hast broken may rejoice. I always wanted to preach a sermon on what bones did God break. Well, I know He broke His funny bone. Because he's not laughing no more. I know he broke his knee bone because he's not been praying no more. I may preach it tonight. Y'all want to hurt him. He said, Hide thy face from my sins, blot out my iniquities. Here it is, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Look at verse. 14, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of Thy righteousness. Look at verse 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, Thou will not despise. David knew something about God. And David knew that God was a merciful God. You say, how do you know that? Because even after everything Nathan had said, David's still praying that God will let the baby live. Because he knows that God's a merciful God. You remember that time when David, uh, David uh, uh, committed that sin of numbering Israel. And God gave him three things. said, you pick which one you want. And David said, I'm going to throw myself, I'm going to let God decide because I know God is more merciful than men are. So he knew that God was merciful. You see the request that David made, really, David should have not even lived. See, David's, David, of course, he's covered under, and that's another study, the sure mercies of David. But David, according to Old Testament law, David should have died. Leviticus 18 and 20 says, if a man uh, uncovers 
his neighbor's wife. Uriah was his neighbor. Uh, Ezekiel 20 and verse 14 said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Ezekiel 18 and 20 said, The soul that sinneth it shall die. And really if a man and a woman was caught committing adultery, uh, they were to be taken out and the man stoned and the woman stoned. That's why Jesus asked those Pharisees and scribes that brought that woman and throwed her down at His feet. And Jesus said, where's the man? They said, Moses' law said she ought to die. And He said, where's the man? They both ought to die. And uh, they still had divorce back in that day. But they probably didn't have as many. I'd say that'd be a great deterrent, wouldn't you? And so David goes in and see that's why David said what he said in verse in uh, chapter uh, 12 or Psalm 51 David said what he said David said for thou desirest not sacrifice else I would give it in other words David was saying if there was a sacrifice for the sin I committed I'd go get it and I'd bring it I'd bring an ox and I'd bring a lamb I'd bring a dove if there was a sacrifice I could give for the sin I've committed, but there's not any sacrifice. Uh, he was supposed to die uh, under the law. No mercy, amen. And so David throws himself at the very mercy of God. And he makes three requests, and I'll be done. But David made a request in verse 2, Wash me thoroughly. Wash me deep. Wash me clean. Wash me thoroughly. Don't it feel good to get clean thoroughly? Even physically. To get clean thoroughly. Just feels good. There's nothing that will make you rest any better than a, a good hot bath. David says, wash me. Why did David say that? Because David could not wash himself he could wash the outside. He could wash the physical. But there was a part in there that David couldn't reach. You probably said to your wife at some time or another, you come here and wash my back. You know why you say that? You can't reach it. There's some places you can't reach that only God can wash. David made a request to be washed. Verse 4, David was remorseful for what he had did. And David said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil. You know what? I said my title was wishing, washing, and worshiping. Don't you think somewhere down the line there, maybe about the time Nathan come in, that David was a wishing he hadn't ever done this. Have you ever done something that you wished you hadn't done? Sure, we all have. We've all done stuff we wished we hadn't done. But the real bad part is when you've done it, and it how much you wish you can't change it. You can't go back. He couldn't bring Uriah back from the dead. He couldn't go back and and restore this man and his wife together. He couldn't do that. All he could do, and listen, there's sins that you can't fix. They're done, done. You can't fix them. But God can forgive them. 
Amen. God can forgive them. There was remorse. And then Psalm 51 10, David said, Create him a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. There was refreshing. There was refreshing. David got a clean heart. David got that right spirit back. David went on to live for the Lord and to serve the Lord. Well, I'm sure glad that Sunday morning at about 25 year old that I went to the Brotherhood Free Will Baptist Church and I was dirty. I hadn't washed in a long time. But that morning the preacher's name wasn't Nathan. It was George. But he laid that finger out into my face and God said, Thou art the man. And I brokenly made my way down to the altars about a 25-year-old man with a whole lot of sin in my life. And I knelt and I can remember at that church it would have been about right there. And all the way down I was wondering if God was going to be anything like He was back there. And I wasn't at the altar over a minute. I knew the same God that I met at 10 years old was the same God I was meeting at 25. And God cleansed me. God cleansed me that morning. And I had a clean heart and I had a right spirit. And boy, it was refreshing. And you know what I was ready to do then? Worship. You say, why? Because there was a lot of things I was wishing I hadn't have done. But I came down and God washed me. And now I'm ready to worship. Sister Diane, come to the piano tonight, please. I won't keep you too much longer. Uh, Brother Caleb, if you would, just lead a verse or something there. Let's stand tonight. And uh, this is just what...